0: No, today is a good day. Today's a great day. Every day is a good day. Every day is a great day. When you're in Christ, it's always a good day. Even when things go bad down here, it's still a good day. Because we know who holds the world in his hands. And we've got a better place to look forward to. So, today, let's talk a little bit about the man who made it all possible, Jesus, and how he discipled and how we should be disciples. First lesson was about what? Excuse me, what was the overall relational? Yes, relational. So Matthew 4.19 starts off with, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me. That's very relational. Come follow me. Come see who I am. In the next part, I will make you. Here's where Jesus takes these men who have decided to, yes, they'll come and follow him, to start making them start shaping them and molding them. And I think Jesus does this intentionally. I don't think Jesus did anything unintentionally. I think God did everything intentionally. Jesus did everything intentionally. There's a reason behind what he did, what he said, how he did it, how he said it. There's a reason. Matthew 4.19 gives us some of those reasons, and we're going to look at the intentional part of that today. I'm going to start off with a little bit of a reminder, just the challenges. There's four challenges of Jesus I see here. To these disciples, we've talked about relational. Now intentional. John one thirty nine. It's a similar phrase, and we talked about it last week. How he doesn't let you just follow him willy nilly. That he's going to turn around and say, "Hey, what are you doing?" I think Jesus requires something of us. He's not going to let us just follow behind him and never say, "You really want to know who I am?" Well, then it's going to going to cost you something you're going to have to do something you're going to have to come and see me and that's what he said 139 says he said to them after they've been following him the disciples of john there he comes he turns around he says come and you will see because they say you know who are you what do you seek and he says what do you seek and they say where are you staying and he says well come and see come and see where i'm living now this first challenge to these disciples to these two guys is very low level in terms of a challenge they're just saying, you know, where are you living? What, what are you doing? They, they want to know more. And Jesus says, okay, well, come and see. Starting off at the very bottom. Just come and see me. Come and see where I'm staying. Come and, come and talk. Let's, let's go talk. Amen. The second challenge comes just a few verses down there, 143. After he's said, come and talk, verse 40 says, one of the two heard John speak and followed him. He was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, Follow me. Here's another challenge to a, a, a potential disciple, to a man who Jesus wants to come and follow him. Now this, Follow me, It's interesting. It means, follow me means in the same, be in the same way as me. Come be in the same way as I am. That's what that word really means. Come be in the same way. If somebody says that to you, what does that mean? They intentionally want you to follow them and be in the same way that they are are in. There's something they want you to see, they want you to learn. Come be in the same way. Now, the next one in Matthew 4, 19, the one that Art read to us this morning he starts off with that by saying, come follow me. Now, that was relational, but at the same time, it's also a challenge. Come follow me. And this follow me is, is a little bit different than the 143 follow me. Now, ultimately, they, they combine and they mean the same thing. But this one means follow behind me and get in line behind me. Come walk right behind me. That's what he says in Matthew 4:19. Come walk right behind me and I'll make you fishers of men. So come follow me. The fourth challenge, he later says to his disciples, I want you to go and bear fruit. John 15, verse 16. This is a continual thing, though. This is not a, hey, I just want you to to do a little. I want you to bear a little fruit. I want you to grow a little. Now, he said, I want you to continue to grow. I want you to continue to blossom. I want you to continue to grow in me. And I want you to continue to bear fruit. And I think... Matthew 28, I've got there in parentheses, 18 through 20. It's not a one-time thing, is it, for us? When Jesus says, go, he says it to his disciples, and his disciples take the message out. And it's, it's a command for all of us to go, make disciples. Going is not just a one-time going. Remember, what, what is that going really saying? What did you say? As, you are going. as you're going. So your, your whole life here, as you're going, do this. And that's the command, to go. As you're going, you be disciples. And being disciples, you're going to do this, this, this. Baptize, teach, observe all that I command. Teach them to observe all that I command. It's going to flow from you because you are a disciple of mine. And you're bearing fruit. You're growing yourself. And it might be bearing fruit, in in other words, of bringing people to Christ. But I think there's a lot of bearing fruit. is Jesus is saying, you grow in me. You become more like me. And you becoming more like me shows the world what I want you, them to see, which attracts those people, which will help you baptize, teach. It will do all of that when we bear fruit, when we are those bearing fruit. Now, those four challenges of Jesus, the come and see, follow me, come follow me, and then go and bear fruit, lead to the intentional life that I think Jesus showed his disciples. Because if we're looking at Matthew 4.19 and saying... Okay, so how do we disciple as Jesus discipled? First off, there's relational. Number one, you and I have to have a, some relationship. Because if you're Joe Blow off the street, why would you listen to me? Why would you care? And why would I care about you necessarily? We need to have something here between us. There's got to be some relationship. We have to start it somehow. So that relationship gets started. There's a relational something happening here. Then what happens? There's the intentional part. Because from Jesus going to relational to intentional, I think I need to do the same thing. I get to, to the relational part. Now I'm going to intentionally infuse myself with you. I'm going to intentionally do things that lead you to, to asking me questions. Why do you do that? What, what makes you think that? Why, why do you act that way? Why do you respond that way? There's an intentional purpose here to Jesus and an intentional purpose for his, his disciples. First thing I want you to look at, and these are not all the things I think are intentional about Jesus. In fact, I'd be interested, if, you, if going through this lesson, I'm going to show you what I, what I see. But I'd like to see what you also say. When you go through this week, maybe give it a week, and look at this lesson. Look at what you see in the Gospels and say, well, that's intentional about Jesus. I'd like to see what you have to say, too. So first thing I think Jesus is, he's intentional about learning. Jesus himself is intentional about learning. And of course you see that way back there in the beginning of Jesus, right? Luke yeah. chapter 2. Everybody here probably knows that story, right? Yeah. What's the story there in Luke chapter 2? How old is Jesus? 12. Okay. He's 12. And his family are is going to Jerusalem, Jerusalem for Feast. feasts? Okay. Now, they get there, feasts are happening. Then what happens? They leave, and Jesus is not among the group. Right? Because Jesus is doing what? He's at the temple. He's talking to the guys. He's sitting there and talking. They're talking to him. He's asking questions. They're asking questions. And his family is traveling back, and they don't realize he's not there, which is, I mean, that's probably for that time kind of normal. They think he's with the other parts of the family that they're traveling with. But then they finally realize he's not there, they go back, and they're a little ticked off. Which I can understand too, as a parent, I can understand that. All of a sudden you're missing your child, they're gone. Where are they? But Jesus was intentional about learning. He said, don't you know I need to be about what? My father's business. And he continued to do what? He continued to grow, right? Luke chapter 2 Let's concentrate on that last verse there. Anybody got it already? Luke chapter 2. I don't have it. I've been talking. Luke chapter 2. Here it is. They see him in verse 48 and they're astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he says, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with him, and he came to Nazareth. And he continued to be in subjection to him. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men. Boy, you look at that young life. He's learning, and I think he's learning his father's will. He's learning all of these things. And I think Jesus is intentional about learning, but he's an intentional learner not just to gather knowledge for himself. Not just to say, I know everything, because what does Jesus do with this wisdom, with this knowledge? He shares it. He's intentional about teaching as well. So I I didn't put that in there. I, I meant to put slash, because I've got it on my paper, slash. He's intentional about learning, teaching. If I don't learn, I can't teach. If I don't understand what I believe, then there's no hope for me going out there and saying, Well, here's why I believe what I believe. Because I'll get to the point and I'll say, here's why. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know why I believe that. Which is not a bad thing. I mean, if we need to explore why we believe what we believe, let's do that. But let's do that in order to say, here's why I believe. Not just to gather knowledge for ourselves not just to make us look like we know everything and anything. But to be able to go out there and say to somebody else, here's why we believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the reasons. Here's why I have this faith in me. That's what Jesus did. Here's why I'm here. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Here's why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. And his disciples, in turn, did the same thing. They didn't gather all this knowledge just for themselves. They gathered the knowledge to give it. Like Peter says, we've we've recorded all these things, and we're passing it down to you. And from them, we get all of this here. That all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, the first thing I see about Jesus is he's intentional about learning to be able to be teaching. The second thing I think he's intentional about is servitude, servanthood. Now, would you agree with me that Jesus was an intentional servant? Yes. I think so. He came to and not be served, right? Yeah, Matthew 20, 28. He came to serve and not be, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many that is Jesus and you really see it in John 13 here Amen. when John 13 happens and Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples man what what king gets down on his hands and knees and washes the feet of his subjects there's no king that I know of no earthly king that I know of that does that kind of thing and now you raise the bar from king to the creator what creator gets down on his knees And washes the feet of the Creator. Jesus does. Jesus Christ gets down on his knees and he washes the feet. What example is that? And he says that at the end. I've done this as an example to you. Now we don't wash each other's feet very often. Well, I don't know. Has anybody washed anybody's feet here in this in that manner? It's probably pretty rare. Maybe we should do that next Sunday. Everybody come with a change of socks and shoes and we just wash each other's feet? No? Not going to (laughs) happen? No. I'll wash everybody's feet? Sure, I'll wash your feet. Just don't touch mine. Yeah. How many times have we done that for each other? But Jesus says "This this is what a leader looks like. This is what a Savior looks like. It's, a, it's one who gets down on his hands and knees and he washes his feet. But he doesn't do that just to say, look how awesome I am. He does that to say, I've done this as an example for you. Now you go and do the same thing. You go wash somebody else's feet. Physically, you know, do it or metaphorically, do it however you can. Serve somebody however you can, serve them. I came to not be served but to serve. That's the same in his church, too. When we talk about elders, deacons, and things like that, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to serve, right? Be servants. They're supposed to be examples of servants. Not Peter says, you know, you're not doing this to lord it over people. You're doing this to serve because you love the church. You love the body. You love Christ. So if you love Christ, you are going to serve. It should be a, a natural outpour of the disciple. I love you. I'll serve you. It's that agape love that we've talked about on Sunday nights, about doing kind things, doing the right thing, doing things that that will help others no matter what. Because we put others first. Even if it's not to sit down and have a Bible study. Maybe it's just to do good, period. Just to do good to somebody. Just wash their feet. Just wash their feet. That's Jesus being an intentional servant. And he shows that in Matthew 20, 28. He shows that throughout his whole mission. He shows that throughout, especially the the gospel of Mark, being that servant. The third thing I see about Jesus is he's intentional about obedience. Jesus spent his entire life doing exactly what his father wanted him to do. Go over to John chapter 5. Jesus says in John chapter 5, the reason I'm doing this is because of the father. John chapter 5 verse 19. The Father had a design for everything. There was a purpose that Jesus came. And Jesus says in 19, Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all the things that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him that you may marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son of Man, or the Son, also gives life to him to whom he wishes. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, in order that all may honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You want to see how Jesus is like God? These, These short little verses right here, 19 through 23, Jesus is God. God is giving all power to the Son. He's, he's saying, I'm, I'm doing everything the Father told me to do. I'm doing everything that, and the Father is honoring me. He's giving me the honor here. And whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. This is all, all one package here. But Jesus is intentional about being obedient to the Father's plan. All the way to the point of what? Death. death. Even death on a cross. He's intentional about obeying. He's intentional about going to the garden and saying... Not my will, but yours be done. This is an intentional choice for Jesus. He's doing this because he loves us. Because he cares for us. That's intentional. There's nothing accidental about that at all. Jesus models what kind of obedience his disciples should have, and he models what kind of obedience we should have. We can't be unintentional about our obedience. It has to be intentional. A disciple's obedience is absolutely intentional. The next thing I see about Jesus is he's intentional about his purpose. And that that leads right from obedience, I think, because what did he say? The Father sent him here, and he's teaching him. He's giving him the things to say, and he's not going to do anything that the Father doesn't want done. This is his purpose. His whole purpose for coming is this. John chapter 17, I think I, oh, Luke 22, I've got, I wonder if I put, nope, didn't, okay. I'm going to turn to John 17 and look at some of Jesus' purpose here. The first five verses of John 17. Look at how Jesus describes his purpose, God's purpose, all of this purpose. He says in the first five verses, these things Jesus spoke and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that thy son may glorify thee. Even as thou hast given him authority over all mankind, that all whom thou hast given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know Thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. I glorified Thee while on the earth, having accomplished the work which Thou givest me to do. And now glorify Thou me together with Thyself, Father, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. Now in that same book, go over to John chapter 13. And look again at Jesus' purpose. John chapter 13, verse 32. I think his purpose is the same as our purpose. 32, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Back in 31 he said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. He's talking about giving glory to God. It's all pointing back to the Heavenly Father. Through Jesus, He's pointing back to the Heavenly Father, saying, this is all for God's glory. Back in chapter 12, just a few pages over in my book. Go to chapter 12, 27 through 30. It says, now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify Thy name, Thy there came, therefore, a voice out of the heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The multitude, therefore, who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, the voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. He came to give God the glory. He came to die on the cross, which gives God glory. He came for God's glory. What do we do? What do we, why do I live for God's glory? I live to give glory to God. I live through Christ to give glory to God. It's the same thing. Jesus understood that he is the one that is standing between God and man. He's the one that came to fill that gap that we couldn't fill. He's the one that came to die on the cross. And the right standing with God can only be achieved through him, not on our own, because we can't do it. Because of that, I think Jesus in Luke 22, 42 there, the scripture that I have written down, I think that is... Why, at the end of his journey, or close to the end of his journey here, he says in 2242, what we've already alluded to, the Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet, but not my, my will, not my will, but yours. Yours be done. Submission there. Jesus is submissive to the Father. He's submissive to the plan. He's saying, "I'm here for one purpose—to glorify You." And glorifying You is doing this: is bringing man and, and God back together, bringing You through me through this bridge. The only one that, that, that you can do this through, and, and that, that that brings about His purpose. Matthew four thirty-seven, or excuse me, John four thirty-seven. Um. This, I think we even, maybe we didn't talk about it last week. It's my fuzzy brain that thinks we talked about it last week. After Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well, his purpose, he's saying here, look, this is my purpose. I'm coming here to do the work of the Father. And after the conversation with the, the woman at the well, the disciples come back and they don't, they're confused. They, they don't even know why he's probably talking to this woman, number one, the Samaritan woman, number two, all of this stuff. And they say, you need to eat. And he says, I've got food that you don't know anything about. Verse 33, he says, it says, the disciples, therefore, were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Do not say, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. And he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, verse 37, in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now, I, I know we've talked about that before because it, it's, it's interesting how Jesus is planting seeds here among the Samaritans. Now, many of them believed, right? But later on in Acts chapter 8, what happens? Even more, right? And Jesus is, even Jesus is here sowing seeds that are going to be reaped later. And he's saying, look, it's ripe. I, I might be sowing seeds here. You're, you're, you're living off of what other people have done. You're going to be soon going to be living off of what I'm doing here because I'm sowing seeds here. And in Acts chapter 8, you see those seeds start to come up. There's this purpose that Jesus says, I've been sent for this purpose. To preach this gospel, to, to, to be this, this savior here. I've been sent for this purpose. I've got to go through to Samaria, he tells the disciples. I must go through here. Why? That's my purpose. My purpose is to go through Samaria. My purpose is to plant these seeds so that somebody else can reap them. My purpose is to do this, to glorify God. And it's my purpose, too. I hope it's your purpose, too. If we're disciples of Christ, we share that purpose. The other thing I see about Jesus after purpose is I think he's intentional about forgiveness. And thank God for that. Thank God Jesus is intentional about forgiveness because, like Bill talked about this morning, or he said something to the effect of, you know, we've got dirty houses. Uh, Who doesn't have, who hasn't had? Who isn't ever in the need of, of God's forgiveness? Jesus' forgiveness. If if you say you're not, then you're then you're just outright lying. Because we all need God's forgiveness. I want you to look at Peter. Luke chapter 24, verse 34. One of the three one of the, the closest companions of Jesus. Peter denies Jesus, right? They say you're, you're one of them. He says, No, no, uh, no way. He keeps denying them. He keeps denying them till their eyes meet, and then he realizes what he's done. Luke 24, 34. Actually, I'm gonna back up to um, Let's go back just back up to 33. And they arose that very hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen, and he has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them and the breaking of the bread. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened. They thought they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do your doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe it for joy, they were marveling. He said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate before them. And he goes on to open up their minds and say, let me expand your minds here about everything here that was written about me through all the Old Testament, the Jewish Jewish term here about all the Old Testament here, all these things, the Psalms, the prophets, the law of Moses. See me in these things. And it's interesting that, that this this Peter that it says, he's already appeared to Simon, this Peter that that is restored to Jesus. Not only does Jesus restore Peter, but he gives him a place of honor, doesn't he? I know you've denied me three times. I know you've said that. And not only am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to say, now that you are back, I want you to turn around and I want you to strengthen your brothers. I want to give you a place of honor. And and I see Jesus doing that. He is intentional about forgiveness. He's intentional about saying, I know what you've done. But I'm going to forgive you. And not only am I going to forgive you, but I am going to honor you. You're going to be a son. You're going to be a daughter. I'm going to put that robe like the prodigal son in Luke 15. I'm going to put that robe back on you. I'm going to put those sandals on your feet. I'm going to put that ring on your hand. Welcome back. And here's your place of honor. You don't have to be a slave in the house. You are a son or a daughter. He's intentional about this forgiveness. He's intentional about letting us back in. And I think God is also glorified in all of that. And I've got a few scriptures here I want you to... We've already looked at John 12, 27 through 32, where Jesus talks about his glorifying God and the fact that he's doing what he's been sent to do, right? He's doing what, he's, what, he's, what God has asked him to do. He's spreading the word here. Um, let's see, John 12, maybe we didn't go through that one. John 27 through 30. This is the one where he's saying his soul is troubled. And Oh, we did go through that one. We just did, yes. Right, But notice that and in 27 he says, this is the purpose that I came for this hour. And again, his purpose, his obedience, and all of this stuff is wrapping up in this forgiveness. Because now he's saying, this is my purpose. I'm going to glorify God. And as he's intentional about forgiveness, and not only does he forgive us, but he gives us a place of honor. He's also glorifying God. And forgiving us glorifies God himself. It brings glory to God when sinners come home. It brings glory to Him. He says that in John 12. And what does 1 Timothy 2.4 say? God desires all men to be saved, right? And to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is the man, Christ Jesus, right? He's the one. That, that, that truth, that, that grace and mercy, that personification of all of that, is that forgiveness. And that glorifies God. Sending His Son, Jesus was intentional about coming. God was intentional about sending him. And over in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul reminds us that God has been intentional about purposing you as his sons and as his daughters. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, he says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to what? Adoption as sons. Through Jesus Christ Himself, According to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he has freely bestowed on us. You look down there, verse 14, this uh, Jesus, this Holy Spirit that he describes in verse 13, this one that, that seals us, that spirit of promise, that proof of purchase that God gives us. He says, verse 14, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own pra- possession to the praise of his glory. Again in verse 12, to the end that we who were first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. All the way throughout there, in those first 14 verses, Paul is saying all of this is for God's glory. Your purpose is for God's glory. Jesus' purpose is for God's glory. God saving sinners, Jesus saving sinners glorifies God. It's his purpose. That's why Jesus came. He was intentionally coming for that purpose. One of the last things I want to cover is Jesus was intentional about prayer. I think he's a a model for prayer. John 11, verse 41, as he's dealing with Lazarus and the death of Lazarus, and he's bringing Lazarus back. One of the things that he says in verse 41, And so they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Jesus prays under all circumstances, good, bad, hard, whatever. You see him in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see him out all night before he picks the disciples. You see him praying all the time. In fact, when the disciples come and look for him, they say, yeah, people have been out looking for you. What are you doing? And he's praying. Jesus himself praying. John 17, that, that wonderful high priestly prayer for us, for the disciples, then, for the church, for everything. His, his prayer life was intentional. Would you describe your prayer life as an intentional prayer life? I have a tendency sometimes to make my prayer life a haphazard prayer life. Because you're moving, you're moving, you're moving, and you're going. My intentional prayer life needs to have more attention. Because my, my example in Jesus Christ was intentional about prayer. Extremely intentional about prayer. That's what Mark one thirty five is saying there. You know, where, where have you been? Everybody's looking for you. Well, where do you think he is? He's probably out praying. Somebody should have probably picked up on that sooner or later and said, we can't find him. He's probably praying. He'll be back. He's probably out there praying. Jesus was intentional about all of these things. And I think as he modeled this intentional life, he says, come follow me and I will make you. So how does he make them? He makes them by showing them who he is. And this is who Jesus is, or at least part of who Jesus is. Like I said, I want to hear from you, too. What do you see intentional in Jesus' life? Jesus was intentional, and I think that we should be intentional in these things. If we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be intentional in that learning, that, that teaching, servanthood, obedience, purpose, forgiveness, and prayer. All of those things. Let's see. I think I'm gonna. Uh, the last verse I want to give you is First John. Because if we're going to be these intentional people... 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 is, is one that I referenced last week because it's a good disciple verse. He's saying, the one who says he abides in him, talking about Jesus, ought himself to walk in the manner, the same manner as he walked. If, if I'm going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm in Christ. He's in me. Then when you look at my life, You should see this, a person who's intentional in my learning, my teaching, my servanthood, my obedience, my purpose, all of these things. I should be able to model that to you. That should be flowing out of me. I wonder if it is. And you guys would be the judge of that, at least, because I'm not always a good judge of what I am. So I ask you today, do I model that? Am I being intentional, at least in your eyes? Do you see me as an intentional disciple of Christ? I want to be that. I want you to be that. I want you to be intentional about the things you do because Jesus was intentional. So one of the questions I'll leave you with this morning is where do you need to be more intentional? Which one of these, maybe it's not these, maybe it's something else, but which one of these or something else are you not paying attention to? Are you haphazardly doing your prayer life? Are you haphazardly learning? You're not not really learning. When somebody says, why do you believe what you believe? Ah, You you, you dread those questions. (coughs) Maybe you don't know your purpose. Where where are you not being intentional? Where do you need to focus in your life here? Maybe it's one of these. Maybe it's not. Because I'm reminded of one of the things that as we were going through the survey of the entire Bible in the Old Testament, where we talked about intention versus attention. And our intention does not equal our destination. Our attention equals our destination. I can intend all day long to be a servant. And then when that phone call comes, I can make something up real quick and find something else to do. I can intend all day long to go to my Heavenly Father in prayer, but... There's plenty of distractions to get me off that course. I can intend all day long to be about God's purpose, but maybe I want to take today off. My intention is not equal my destination. I I don't want to go where my intention is because my intention is not always good. My attention to being intentional is where it needs to be. If I'm intentionally doing this, that means I have to pay attention. I have to be in focus. I have to be ready to be made like Christ. I have to open up that door and say, "Yep, I'm ready. I'm ready, come on in and work on me. Because if I don't let him in to work on me, then there's nothing, nothing's going to happen. My attention needs to be on him. And then I can intentionally live the way he lived. I hope that intention, attention did not get confusing there. Because I want you to live intentionally. I want you to live with purpose. But you're going to have to give attention to the one who's going to let you and help you do that. Jesus Christ and the spirit that he put in you. If we don't pay attention to them, our intentions are going to to amount to a hill of beans. Because they're not going to be worth anything. This week I want you to see... Take a look and see where Jesus was intentional in his Gospels. If you find something I didn't, let me know. And if one of those things you're not being intentional about, pick that thing, work on it this week, and give your full attention to him. Whatever it is, one of those or another thing. But be intentional about where you put your attention this week as we stand and as we sing.